0: So it's six weeks, you know, I get the all clear from the OB. We can resume relations, you know, it's the first time and we're co-sleeping. So this baby's sleeping next to me and I think, okay, like now's the time and we're getting all into it. And all of a sudden I feel this sucking on my arm and I'm thinking that is the wrong place I don't know it's been a while but I didn't think it started there so anyways I look over and the baby's like giving me a hickey on my arm and I'm thinking oh gosh this is never going to work
1: <laughs> see girls <laughs> we talked about this I knew
0: You asked us if it was true. Everyone gets busy with their kids in the bed at least one point.
2: Visions of like those earliest memories and you're like, I remember a flash of my mom's boob and
0: my dad's butt. You're not going to totally damage your child. Or as my mom says, every kid needs something to go to therapy about. So we are wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives, and at the end of the day, we are all moms.
2: All at the same time and never in the same order. (laughs) This is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. Hey, y'all. It's Hi, My Name is Mom. And our girl Jen, man, she's going...
0: through it. it.
2: Her little girl Evie is two, and she is quite literally attached at the boobs
0: yes, <laughs> at, ridiculous. Night,
2: at night. And so Jen has been sending us these text message, messages that are like, guys, I don't know what to do. I'm losing my mind. I'm not getting any sleep. I'm going crazy. There's someone between me and my husband all the time. So uh, <laughs> today's episode is called oh. No Sleeping with the Enemy. Um, Jen, what's been going on?
0: Well, I have to give credit where credit is due. My husband wrote an article for HuffPost parents years ago called Co-Sleeping with the Enemy, and it was one of the like highest rated articles. Everybody was debating back and forth in the comments. They finally had to turn the comments off because it was so crazy. But the title stands, and I love it, because I feel like I'm co-sleeping with the enemy right now. I love co-sleeping. You guys know that. I'm a huge advocate for co-sleeping and room sharing and bed sharing and all of those things. But I have to tell you, my two-year-old is regressing in her weaning journey. She's regressing. She used to kind of like, you know, come up to me like in the middle of the night in bed, like scoot in and, you know, her mouth would find my boob kind of like a magnet and she'd put herself back to sleep and then all would be great, right? She's literally, every time she wakes up now, she is on my boob every single time. And she just cries and cries and cries until I put it in her mouth. And the worst part is she's not even really <laughs> nursing. She's suckling to the point that it's making my milk come in. My milk comes in and she falls back asleep. So here I am like a, a, a mom, a 41 year old mother with a two year old who should be night weaned at this point, And I'm leaking through my tank top. I mean, it's honest to God, just like I
1: had I a tease, man. I she gets like, the milk going so and then So Jen, <laughs> so I have rude. a gold and this is making me a little nervous because that's kind of my life right now. So I have this for two more years <laughs> I mean, she got better. You
0: know, <laughs>
1: you guys, you
0: guys know Evie has an oral aversion anyway. So I had a different struggle with her in terms of breastfeeding. I had to continue breastfeeding her um, until we could get her sort of chewing and swallowing, you know, motor skills where they should be for for her developmental age. And so I was very resistant to any form of weaning. But now I'm like, okay. I don't want to totally cut out nursing. I like nursing her to nap and nursing her to sleep, but twice a day is good. My body's ready to be mine again. I'm ready, ready, ready to at least sleep through a night without having to shove a boob in someone's mouth. Adrian included. (laughs) (laughs) But honest to God, I'm like, I'm just, uh, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. So we need to wean your daughter. We need to wean your husband.
0: Yes, we need to lean both of them, actually. It would be great. here's
2: the thing is that this is a really controversial topic. And when we started talking about this and I started doing my research because we're a family that doesn't co-sleep in the same way that you do. Right. And that Kayla is now, um, and I learned that there's a difference between so so co sleeping. At least this is you know I, I found it on Google, so it must be accurate. <laughs> Apparently, co sleeping means just sleeping in close proximity to each other, close enough so that your like biorhythms are in sync. So little tiny babies and, all, and the
0: heartbeats and the yeah. temperatures.
2: Yeah, so there's there's tons of research that shows um, that being near your baby, especially for the early months, are really important for a ton of reasons. But then there's co-sleeping, which is also, I guess, you know, some people just call it room sharing. And then there's actual bed sharing, which has kind of been coined co-sleeping, right? So the way that we all think of co-sleeping is having a baby in your bed. So there's a couple ways to do that. There's having them just straight in the bed, or there's having a little sort of co-sleeper in the bed with you, like a Moses basket or one or a Docatot. And then there's the little things that slide right up to the bed, like a halo, or you can just have a bassinet in the room. So yeah. there's a lot of ways to do this. And some of them are more controversial than others. But we're, what we're talking about with Jen is a baby who has never slept in a crib,
0: right? No, she's never been in her crib. We actually moved her crib from the newborn position to the toddler position, right? The mattress, and I, I cried because I was like, my my newborn, my infant has never slept in her crib, at least not like overnight. I've occasionally set her down in it when then she's you know, not we, an infant. No, no, I meant my infant <laughs> when she was an infant. She never Ooh. slept in her crib, so then we moved it to the toddler. Um, component. And I'm like looking at it going, she's been a toddler for a year. She's never slept in that, that version of her crib either. So what's getting ready to happen is I'm getting ready to transition her crib to a toddler bed and she's never going to sleep she's in that. Still she's just going to go straight to a
2: king size bed. Should, I gosh. should
0: literally, yes, I should put a full size or a queen size bed in her room. She has never through her newborn stage, infancy and toddler so far has never slept in her crib. I, I, it's, and, and yet, yeah, I yes, love it. I should not complain. I don't even know why I'm so frustrated about this because I love everything about co sleeping. I love everything about it. The thing that's frustrating to me is she's the first of all of my kids that has kind of like not gotten off my boob. So I've never even been able to like start her in her bed. I shouldn't be as frustrated as I am, but I am frustrated. Now I'm like, I know I did this to myself, but <laughs> you brought this on yourself. There's lots of parents that successfully transition their kids to cribs at some point in time. I just
1: have never with her. And I'm currently bringing this on myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wonderful. I really do. I mean, it's like what Corey was saying. There's just 40% of established cultures in the world, co-sleep, right? And for us humans, we co-slept. Like the idea that a, a baby should sleep in a separate room or a separate bed than its parents is actually something that's culturally derived. It's not something that is socially derived, meaning like we are bred to sleep together. There's this, this cool article I read. I can't remember if I read this on NIH or NPR, um, but my friend sent it to me. And it was all about how when there was a study that was done on women co-sleeping because it's never, it's never really been studied before in this way. And it it looked at what mom's bodies and infants bodies do during a co-sleeping process. And, you know, it's like what you touched on, Corey, where their temperatures will start to be aligned, their heart rates will match, their breathing patterns will be similar. And, And the thing that I felt like was the most interesting is when the mom kind of, you know, side nurses and like cocoons herself around the infant at night, there's a layer of CO2, right, that settles on the baby's head, and although that sounds really scary, what happens is it, it winds up being a biological trigger to the the baby to breathe. So I, I was fascinated. I'm, I'll post these articles on our on our site because I was fascinated reading some of this stuff. It's like it, it it just yeah. I mean, for me, just instinctually as a human, as a mom, like that's always been what I felt like I should do, and it's it is interesting to see that maybe my instincts weren't as crazy as I thought, you know? Well,
2: apparently a lot of people, it's like a secret they don't talk about. Mm -hmm. Because there's, we'll talk about the pros and cons of this and the reason that some people don't. Yes. But, but apparently it's like a parenting dirty little secret (laughs) where, like from a, you know, social standpoint, most people are like, oh, yeah, the baby, the crib, and all the safe sleep practices. But in reality, people are, like, falling asleep with their babies in their beds all the time. Yeah. Or doing doing it on purpose or not.
0: Yeah. There's there's a difference between co-sleeping in a safe bed right and co being in a bed with like big down covers and big down pillows and stuff that can suffocate your infant that's uh, you know I
2: saw your bed and you guys have about a hundred pillows on that bed I so. know I know
0: those come off every night <laughs> and, and you know she's two she's two and a half now almost so she's well she's not really she's 26 months but she's in a place where if she if something's in her face she can move it you know when they're infants they lack any ability to move something out of their face or even really move their face away from something that's suffocating them. So it's it's a lot scarier, you know, the idea of, of co-sleeping with an infant. I understand why people, you know, shy away from it, truly.
1: I love co-sleeping with an infant. I am the person that I bought the snoo. I bought the crazy bassinet, I bought the smart sleeper, and Jonathan was all for it. And, and we still do, but she was so tiny when I brought her home, she didn't even fit in the sleep sacks. And so I tried this new, after laying her down in it, I couldn't do it. I felt instinctually better having her next to me in bed. Um, that it, it just worked for us. But um, I do think that I would like to transition back into a bassinet uh, even though we have been co-sleeping for the past seven weeks, I just don't know if selfishly I can. I love co-sleeping so much. I would have to see if it's better for her when we start to do make that transition. It's interesting. But I don't want to. I want to keep co-sleeping like for my own selfish well, reasons.
0: I, I love, I mean, with Ava, she was the only one, our firstborn was the only one that we didn't truly co-sleep with we had her in a in a like an arms reach co-sleeper um mm-hmm. when we first brought her home and when she was out I, I honest to god don't remember she was maybe four months old we transitioned her to her to her crib and she never had an issue did you have
2: her in your, you had her in a bassinet and then a in car our room.
0: room? The arms reach co-sleeper is a really cool co-sleeper because it's kind of like a half a pack and play that slides right up to the side of your bed. And the baby can literally be right, I mean, right next to you, but they're in their own protected little area. So that worked. And I used that for a lot of my kids, but I would always just pull them into the bed with me at night, no matter what.
1: And or so worse. We don't have anything. We literally just layer right between us. This is how ridiculous I am. I justified buying a Snoo, but I couldn't justify spending two hundred dollars on a Tot. Be-
0: <laughs> well, you Uh-oh. know, I like—I don't know. Women, don't know. women are biologically like you're like tied to your newborn, right? There's a lot of moments that you're independently sleeping at night, right? You're asleep, baby's asleep, but then there's also this incredible, like minute by minute communication that's happening between a mother and her newborn, right? And if you are a woman who does not take medication, is not a drinker, does not smoke, is in good health, and you have a healthy, healthy weight infant, it's healthy to to co-sleep, right? It's when there's any of these other variables that come into play, you know, that... I don't know, that, that yeah. make it a little
1: scary. No, I feel, I don't think that I have had a deep sleep since I brought her home, which I, I mean, that's probably normal. But any move or whimper or like grunt or groan or anything she makes, coo, I'm like, oh wait, where's she at? What's she doing? And And because I'm not in that deep sleep, I feel so relieved knowing she's right there. And for me, putting her in a bassinet next to me it adds another element of effort to check on her. So if she's just right there, I feel a lot more comfortable knowing that I can fix if There is a problem, whatever it is immediately. If she starts fussing, I roll over, put my boob in her mouth and she's back to sleep. It's interesting. I don't
0: know that a lot of people, I'm not even sure if you guys know why we originally started co-sleeping. And because I, you know, as I mentioned, we didn't co-sleep with Ava really. But when Charlie was two weeks old, we um, flew to Atlanta and uh, went to my sister's wedding. So we were traveling and, you know, it was just sort of easier to have him with us. Um, And very shortly thereafter, my sister's baby girl was killed by a negligent driver. She was, you know, run over in the parking lot of a little league field and killed. And it was a devastating time in our lives and I pulled Charlie, you know, as my like littlest infant in bed with me and he never left, you know, it was just this biological need to have my child close to me, like skin to skin. Um, You know, and I'm, I, I don't regret having him in bed, you know, with us at all, but it truly changed how we sleep with our kids. I mean, that was like a, it was just a, a moment in time where, you know, I needed my children near me. And actually, Ava came into our room around that time and never left. She slept on the floor for the longest time. She's just, just having her like right there in the room was really important. So, you know, we all kind of have our reasons that we do things and make certain decisions as parents. And, you know, that, that was... That
2: story, what happened to your family, I I can't think about it I, I, to this day without just it being so gut-wrenching. And, I fully understand that feeling of just wanting to hold your babies close during a time like that. It makes complete yeah. sense. And really, you kind of put all of your other reasons aside and you just are running purely on instinct. Yes. And then you found out that that worked for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot easier, and and as a work, you know, as a working mom. I mean, by the way, all moms are working moms. But as a mom who was a working mom outside the home with a very demanding job, you know, I'm probably at that point in my life working, you know, fifty five to sixty hours a week. To have that extra bit of time at the end of the day, where after they go to sleep, I know they're in my bed, and I can just sort of be there with them, soaking up all of those irreplaceable moments. It was really important for me, and it continued through all my babies. I've I've loved having I've loved having that extra. That's such way, a good it, point. It might be different, I will say, because I am working on a contractual basis now. So I work like in these little bursts and always from home right now. So that may also be why this drive to get Ebby out of my bed <laughs>
2: is prevalent and it wasn't you're getting, my that, I mean, you're getting that time with her during the day. Yeah, whereas yeah. before you had to soak that up and get that skin to skin time wherever you could. And if that was at night, that's still very valuable. I think I'm the outlier here within our little group, but I also think I probably represent a pretty large portion of moms as well. So I, I've always been a major rule follower and I think rules shift all the time. I mean, we've talked about this before on the boobs episode where When we were kids, our moms were told that breast is not best, that formula is best, and that breastfeeding is sort of animalistic. So I think everything is cyclical. And I think that co-sleeping is probably becoming more and more something that is um, promoted as being a really healthy thing. But I... Well, we lived in New York in a one-bedroom apartment, and we had what we called a nursery corner. Ty built this loft, and we put a pack-and-play underneath it. So the baby was in our room no matter what, unless we were going to stick him in the living room or the bathroom, which we weren't. And I don't remember having a really strong feeling for or against co-sleeping, but my husband and I, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at that time when we got pregnant, and we were super in love. We were super new in our relationship. Um, I got pregnant when we'd been together for about six months. And it all was great. It was like perfectly meant to be on our timeline. But when we had that baby, our relationship was still really new. And I, I, my one concern about getting pregnant that early in our relationship was messing up how good it was with something that was going to be so life-changing so early in such a formative time in our relationship. So it was really important to both of us to continue growing our relationship with each other and making that a priority. Whereas I think if you've been together for quite a long time, um, you've kind of already solidified that part of things. So that's one of the reasons we didn't want a baby in between us. And the other thing is I was really concerned about um, having a baby in the bed and increasing the risk of SIDS or a pillow. I, I'm curious to talk to you guys more about this because. My thought is, I don't want to sleep without a pillow and blankets. I mean, that's just completely uncomfortable. I want it cold and a blanket up over me. And to me, that just feels so precarious with a tiny baby in my bed. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't perfectly strict on this. With Radley, I would definitely get him up in the morning, nurse him and kind of uh, brace my elbows on either side and kind of like as I was cradling him and completely fall asleep. But then sometimes when I woke up, I had this little panic attack of, is the baby okay? And so that was enough that having him in the bed with me meant I didn't sleep as well because I was worried about one of us rolling over on him or um, a blanket going over his face. Having said that, when he was tiny, Ty was working really long hours. And so he loved napping with the baby. So he would put the baby in a swaddle and later out of the swaddle and we would kind of create a like a pillow barrier around the edge of the bed, push all the covers down. But it was almost like our own little version of a, of a <laughs> And we also had a Moses basket that someone gave us that we thought we didn't need that became invaluable. So, um, and then with Sebastian, he just really never cared about being in the bed with us. Like he does, he will not sleep to this day. He wants to be in his own space. So did I have the babies in my bed? The majority of the time, no, But I always had them in the room with me. I had Rad in the room with me until he was three months old. And then Sebastian was in the room with us until more like six months old, at which point we were trying to, you know, use the crap out of this really expensive snoo and squeeze every dollar out by keeping him in there. Turns out he'd just gotten too big. And once we put him in his normal crib, he was like, thank God, now I'll sleep 12 hours a night. So I'm kind of the flip side where I do understand that instinctual thing of I, you know, Kayla, you... You know, if I'm being super honest, I was worried about Loxley being in the bed with you because she was so tiny. But at the end of the day, it's so important that you follow your instincts as a mom. And that's why we're here on this podcast so big on never judging someone else's choices because everybody's making the choice that they think is best and safest for their baby. And you, your maternal instinct was so strong with her. And that, to me, supersedes any of the other stuff. It's yeah, so, yeah, it's you're right.
1: because I, I will say that Jonathan was 100% against co-sleeping when we were pregnant, and we, I got the snoo as like, okay, we'll try it out, see how it goes. I wasn't sold on it. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of meet her and see what her needs were. But and he so, really wanted the snoo, right? That he was He really wanted the snoo. He was yeah. 100%. If he could raise our child with an app, I think when we were pregnant, (laughs) that was was his mentality. Now that she's here, it's shifted. When we were pregnant, as a first-time dad, he wanted everything, like, smart, like, app. Automated. Yes. But it's weird how my instincts have kicked in of of what works for us because I – am not doing anything by the book when it comes to co-sleeping. I'm not using a docotot. I'm not using anything in between us, no barriers. Um, she is just literally right between us. We are removing pillows, and I'm not pulling the down comforter up as much, and I'm not getting much sleep, and it kind of works for us right now. I feel like I'm at a peace of mind knowing she's right next to me, but I'm not doing anything by the book. I'm I'm failing on all sleeping uh, safety protocols with an infant. Well, that's completely subjective.
2: We touched on some of the positive things, but what about some of, you know, the downsides, sides, the, the worries that well, go along with it?
1: There was a lady that was charged with manslaughter for her baby suffocating during sleep with co-sleeping.
0: Yeah. But I think that, see, that's the thing that people don't dig into a lot is that babies that have... Typically, died during co-sleeping or you know bed sharing are babies who are higher risk babies whose mothers were on some type of medication or were inebriated or had been uh, drinking or smoking or had lifestyle triggers that were not considered safe. Right now, that is in no way, shape, or form passing judgment on anyone, but there are things that can make it not the safest practice, you know, and, and I think that that is just a total individual um, decision. I think it's actually
2: hard for your doctor to even recommend co-sleeping, just like a doctor can't say it's okay to have a glass of wine here and there during pregnancy because you just might take that to an extreme. So you can't say co-sleep and know that a mom's going to go home and not drink or not be on drugs or um, or put a bunch of pillows or have a really unsafe bed. You can't oversee What's happening specifically? So it's safer just to say don't do it.
0: Well, there's a doctor. You guys know I'm all about studies and research articles, especially on this topic. And there's a there's a really good article um, that talks about this guy Peter Blair, who's a medical statistician. Um, and and his something that he said, which I thought was really interesting, was when they talk about you know bed sharing increasing risks of SIDS versus lowering risks of SIDS um he said that like the universal message to parents has just been don't do it but the issue is that health agencies have taken that to an extreme there there have been very few if any cases of sober unmedicated mothers smothering their children at night fathers are a different story inebriated moms or moms who have you know are on some type of um sleep medication ambient (laughs) or something Uh, yeah, yeah or even just antidepressants and things like that there's a there's that's different. But somebody told me that I was being judgy. And I'm like, How, how's that judgy? I'm just stating a fact. Like, I don't think that there's any, I don't think there's any truth to back up. Um,
2: well, and part of what you're doing is trying to make sure that what you're doing is safe. So yeah. you're actually researching that and trying to get to the bottom of, okay, so clearly there are incidents that happen with co-sleeping. Why? So that you know whether or not those are things you need to worry about, which I think is a completely fair and and smart
0: thing to do. And it's interesting, Corey, you know, what you're saying about being, you know, concerned for Kayla. I, I too was concerned for Kayla. And I'll tell you why. I had co-slept with several children before I brought Evelyn home from the hospital. And she was born at the same weight um, that Loxley was. And she was the first child that I'll never forget the night we were, we brought her home from the hospital and Adrian and I were in the bed and, you know, she was in in bed with me and I went to kind of like do my typical, like co-sleeping side nursing maneuver. Obviously she was so tiny that my boob couldn't even stay in her mouth. But Adrian and I both looked at each other and we were like, this isn't safe. Like we just knew instinctively for us, for that baby in this situation, it wasn't safe. So we went and bought a, um, it wasn't a Moses basket, but it was one of those co-sleepers that's mesh sided that has a side that pops down and you can put them right between you. And her having her own space felt better for us for at least a couple months. And then after that, we moved her straight out of that thing and never looked back. But it, it was worrisome for me having a five-pound baby versus a seven-pound baby, just seeing how tiny they were. Um, but that just goes to... Each mother and each baby is totally, completely different because Kayla, clearly you knew what would, you know, was going to work for Locksley versus what worked, you know, for Evelyn. And, and it and
2: was helping, it was helping Kayla sleep better knowing yes. her baby was right there. Yes. And for me, it was the opposite where I couldn't sleep because I was too worried. And I, I feel that maternal thing where even when we moved Rad into his own room at three months as a mom, and I'm sure you guys have felt this, you are so connected and like tethered at the heart and the soul and the mind to that baby in a way that the slightest thing happens and you're awake. Yeah. yeah. And I never felt like Ty was the same way. Not that he's not right. super in tune with our babies in terms of how to care for them and love them, but that thing of where you wake at their slightest need, um, at their slightest noise he could sleep right through it. And that's one of the things that concerned me more where I knew I would wake up, but, you know, he's bigger than me. And what if he rolled over? And I mean, I think dads definitely to some degree have that same thing, but there's something about those really early mom instincts. So I completely get that thing, Kayla, of she's good. I know she's good. And I know, you know, and with her being tiny, you know, Jen's reasons for not wanting Evie in the bed were your reasons for wanting her in the bed against your skin. She was tiny. You were keeping her warm. You were, um, feeding her on demand. So I, I mean,
0: just can't say it enough that you just have to do what, uh, I mean, Evie was literally only six inches away from me. Um, but it was just the fact that like that five, like the five pound head and mouth was so different to me than my other seven and a half pounders that it, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. So it, yeah, it is. You know what else is kind of, kind of fascinating. My friend who is a former labor and delivery nurse um, told me that there is a really interesting study that she read uh, not that long ago that said mothers and infants who co-sleep wake up within 60 seconds of each other, that they are so um, kind of like their, their biometrics are so aligned that when one starts rousing the other starts rousing and it's not just cuz like they make they move you know but it's just that they're so connected Oh that but, happened to me uh, just with room yeah, sharing. Yeah, but you're right though Cory because men that is to me that the the male in the bed scares me far more than the mom because it's it, they t- they do tend to be heavier sleepers and and roll over and you know. Yeah.
1: Donna's a deep sleeper. That was my biggest scare and I will say after the first night when we slept, I slept in the middle, and we have a California King, and so it's pretty spacious. I slept in the middle, and then I made a pillow barricade, like, along the edge, and then scooched her all the way next to me so that there was no, like what you said, you kind of made your own Dakota in your bed. Yep. That was probably the first two nights that we were home. And then once I realized that Jonathan was waking up and like his sleep patterns like changed as soon as that baby was in our bed, I was like, okay, I feel safe to put her in the middle now. And he is great. There's times where I'll get up to go to the bathroom and she'll be dead asleep. And within like 10 seconds, she will start kind of whimpering and cooing and waking up if I got up and he will roll over and comfort her and kind of pat her back to sleep while I'm going to the bathroom. And so it's kind of neat how... I feel like it's been really amazing watching his dad instincts kick in with this teeny little baby. Well, ultimately, someone's going to listen to this and and
2: judge each one of us. <laughs> someone's going <laughs> to someone's going to be like, "I should have never put that baby in a crib in another room at three months." And someone's going to be like, "You should never put a five pound baby in the bed with you." That's just
0: yeah, a fact. Much. You yeah. know what? And and it's bad because. It, almost as a society these days, we've sort of taken that to an extreme. I um, saw this article that was talking about in Milwaukee, they had an ad up that the mom was portrayed bed sharing as a meat cleaver next to her baby. And in another, there was a headboard that was portrayed. Yeah. In another, there was a headboard that was portrayed as a tombstone and it read for too many babies last year. This was their final resting place. So not only does that scare women, about the idea of, of co-sleeping, it also makes it seem like it's illegal or immoral, you know, and so many cultures and so many parents around the world co-sleep very safely. Now, I will give you that our beds, like modern day beds, are not made for bed sharing, like we were talking about. You have to really be aware of what is in the bed with you and a baby, but I mean it's it's that that's the messaging that's out there about That's hoping. terrible.
2: I mean my personal yeah. standpoint is that if you can have the best of both worlds mm-hmm. by particularly when they're tiny and they can't move something off of their face yep. or roll over, why not have them with the little mesh sides or in a in one of the like by-the-bed co-sleepers or something like that, where you are just six inches away, that's my personal peace-of-mind standpoint. I'm also the mom who has always had a baby, um, a baby monitor where I had the angel care that went under the crib, the movement yes. detector. And then, you know, for the, for the youngest, I had the Owlet, which is, me- measures oxygen levels and heart rate, room temperature. And I'm the, the one who does every bit of genetic testing. I mean, I am that person. So for me, of course, to me, I'm like, well, why did, why wouldn't you just put the baby in the little mesh thing and then they're right there or whatever? But that is a very personal point of view for me, and I... Again, like I, I think it's awful that moms can be demonized in that way because no matter what, unless you are just a bad parent, which they do exist, lazy parents, neglectful parents, abusive parents do exist. Bad people exist. That's right. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about no. parents who are trying to put their babies in an unsafe situation. We're talking about parents who are doing it because their, their paternal and maternal instincts scream for that. Yeah, and that's something I think you have to always respect instead of judge.
1: Yeah,
0: it's interesting. This um, one of the articles I keep referencing was this guy uh, by the name of James McKenna who worked at Notre Dame, and he did a study on moms and babies that sleep together, and it measured like you know their breathing rate, their heart patterns, their um, how close they were. Um, Brain waves, all kinds of things, and one of the things that they saw because they had infrared cameras set up, they saw that throughout the night the baby was laser focused on the mom, like and didn't turn away from the breast. It was almost like a magnet, like completely laser focused. So those kinds of things I think are really fascinating when you look at at how that that how the the two, how two human beings can sleep together and it be so important. And, and so helpful to both of them. I, it's, I, think, I think the studies that have been done on this are really, really need to be more wi- widely shared.
2: Well, because you hear about the horrible things that happen. That's what ends up being newsworthy. Not about a baby whose temperature kept dropping and finally started sleeping on its mom and just
1: bounced completely back. Jonathan and I joke that we will put her in the middle of the bed and by the morning, she will be so like close to me. It's like she like, she kicks her feet, and then her body just slowly, like, shifts towards me. And right now, she's waking up completely horizontal of me. It's, it's cracking me up. And so mm-hmm. I have, like, completely turned and breastfed her. But she does. Like, she just focuses in on me at night and, like, scooches. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is crazy. So I have a question. We obviously have
2: talked about you know how awesome it is to have this snuggly precious baby in the bed and when i look at evie <laughs> she's like she is the most angelic looking little thing. I mean, I know she's got sass because I know her, <laughs> but you see her and you're like, oh, come on. How can she be the enemy? I mean, really, she's too stinking cute. So at what point did this snuggly little baby who you were getting all this good bonding time with become the enemy?
0: I think it took a turn this past month when I realized that she was regressing in her night nursing. Like I've always used night nursing once they've you know gained their birth weight back. Like I've never woken a baby up, right? they When they wake up, I would nurse them back to sleep. And as they get older, you know, and they're eating solid foods, and I know that that they're in a healthful place, I would just kind of use night nursing as a tool to get them back to sleep. And, And for three of my four kids, they didn't use pacifiers. My boob was and is still her pacifier, right? And and pacifiers are modeled after the breast, not the other way around. So I never was ashamed of her, any of my kids really using my breast for comfort. That was what the nipple was designed for, right? But the problem is she's being a little selfish thing, making <laughs> my milk come in and me getting like engorged and she's, you know, 26 months and, and here she is, taking what she needs and going back to sleep. And I'm like, all right, now you are my enemy. Now you're my enemy. How did you get
2: the other kids out of the bed?
0: Charlie was very hard. Charlie was very hard. Like I mentioned, because I was so just psychologically and emotionally tied to having him there. Um, Mason was a little bit easier because Charlie and Mason, they didn't share a room when we lived in Maryland, but he would sort of they could sort of sleep in bed together like Charlie had a toddler bed and it was a full-size um bed so I could kind of lay Mason down as, as a two-year-old you know with a monitor on them and know that my two-year-old and my four-year-old were were okay together in a bed and so they got used to sleeping together which again so they co-slept with they each other as well yeah it was such a so he moved from co-sleeping with
2: me to co-sleeping with him so you really just need to have another baby for Evie to co-sleep with
0: I have thought about letting Ava because one of the other issues that I, and and this is, this takes co-sleeping and room sharing to a whole other level because as you guys know, my oldest child, uh, my daughter Ava was diagnosed with systemic lupus and latent tuberculosis and autoimmune hepatitis all at the same time a year ago. Yeah. A a little over a year ago now. Right. So um, she, had an awful lot of trauma last year, an awful lot of doctor's visits and labs and infusions and appointments and missed school and scary times. Um, And when you couple that with an out of state move and a new school and all of those things, she just started sleeping on our floor every night every single night she'd pull Did out she make cover. like a pallet on yeah, the floor she would use okay. our like throw pillows and her own bed pillow and like you know because I
2: definitely used to go into my parents bedroom my mom wouldn't let me in the bed and then my dad would lift up the covers yeah. but if if for some reason my dad was just like dead asleep and my mom would my mom was always like nah, 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 nah. I would just lay on the floor yeah. I remember yeah. just laying on There's the floor. There's
0: something so natural about a child wanting to sleep near their parents at night, and, and yeah. I will never t- turn my kids away. Our rule for Ava, Charlie, and Mason was, and I say was because it's out the window now, but it used to be you must start in your own bed. You know, and, and truly, with Ava getting sick, she starts in our room most nights. I would say six out of seven nights a week she starts in, in our room. and, and She so goes
2: I, to bed in your room on the yes, floor. She
0: sleeps. That's her choice, and, and she has been through so much that I just – I refuse to fight that battle right now. There will be a time where she doesn't want anything to do with me. And, you know, she's almost 11. So that time is coming soon. Um, But the boys, they start in their own room. And sometimes they come down and and climb on our bed and sleep by my feet or, you know, sleep, you know, sort of on the edge or pull another pallet out. And, you know, we have tons of blankets under our bed and tons of pillows. And they can kind of do what they want. But um, the co-sleeping turned room sharing with my 11-year-old is why now I feel like I'm kind of being – I'm getting it from. You have
2: no personal space. I I have
0: no private time with Adrian unless we're in the shower. Which, if you listen to our podcast, obviously you know that's the only sacred space that we
2: have. But what if you want to have dry sex
1: once in a while? I do want to have
0: dry sex. I want to have dry sex for real. That's really what it
1: comes to. (laughs) I wouldn't ever say I want to have dry sex. Well, right. (laughs) Okay. Let's let's clarify what we mean by that. Uh, What about you,
2: Kayla? Um, You didn't plan to co-sleep. Now you are. Is it, you're not to that point where it would be co-sleeping with the enemy, right? It's like co-sleeping with the most angelic little perfect snuggle bug.
1: I'm probably on the opposite end of that. I think it's the most wonderful thing ever. And I actually want, I want to gear back into our original plan of letting her sleep in the snoo and getting- And in why, sleep. why do you want to do that? Um, I if think, you love it, why do you I want to do that? love it, but I also think that I'm at a point where I need to get some better sleep. And now that I know that she's big enough, I would, and that I don't have to feed her every two hours like I did when she was in preemie. I would like to have a little bit better sleep with her and kind of help her not be so nocturnal and differentiate night versus day. I think sometimes when it's just mom, 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 she's on my chest and she knows I'm right there. It's a free for all feeding and she does that during the day. And so there's just no separation between night and day right now. Um, for her. Well, you don't want her to
0: get her days and nights confused. That becomes yeah. a process that's really hard to undo. I mean, everybody. I don't
1: it. want to. I don't want to put myself in a position where I can never have a night out. I can like where I am the only because right now Jonathan can't even put her down to bed. And it and he used to. I would feed her and then he would hold her and he would put her down for bed and then I would take a bath by myself after she got out of the bathtub and then I would lay down and then she would wake up for her. Uh, 12.30, 1 o'clock feeding. But now, it's at a point where she will only fall asleep if my boob is in her mouth. And I think that that could put me at a really hard spot in a few months where, I've, where I'm have where i just trapped in bed. And I think then I would start feeling like I was sleeping with it. The end. It, it will. It will
0: happen. I mean, and the thing that you're doing really well with her is that I see you occasionally giving her a pacifier, which even if you don't want her to be just attached to the pacifier all the time, it's sort <laughs> of like...
1: Bad with that. I have mom guilt so bad with every decision that I make. It's, oh, am I putting her down to sleep? In a rocker, am I putting her down to sleep in the bed? You know, am I should I be holding her and letting her sleep? Should I be putting a pacifier in her mouth? Should I be putting a boob in her mouth? It is so. That's just being a mom. Yeah, Yeah. it is.
0: And at some point, she has to be able to self soothe, right? And so, like fingers or a a pacifier are super helpful, or else you're going to wind up in the situation I'm in, where you know she needs your nipple to go to sleep. And and I think it's it's one thing if they need your nipple to go to sleep, but it's when they need your nipple to stay asleep. That is where I'm at right now. That's where I'm at, too. That's why it's so hard. But the snoo would be really the best of both worlds if you want her in the room and you want to be, you know, you still want to be connected like that, but have her right next to you. It's such a, it's such a great idea. We area. need to talk
2: about baby gear at some point on the podcast because for anyone who doesn't know what a snoo is, it's really
0: expensive.
2: Wait, it would be a ridiculously expensive bassinet. It's ridiculously expensive anyone's definition. Me. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. But yeah. for us, and I will say we resold ours for a pretty decent price. And so the, the resale value is there, but it's a smart bassinet. So you put the baby in this swaddle that has these wings that clip on the side. So the baby can't roll over in the swaddle and um, it has white noise, but then as the baby starts to cry or wiggle or wake up the white noise increases and the movement of the crib it kind of rocks or it kind of wiggles side to side so much so that that it's so intense when it's on the highest setting that i'm like is this safe but it's actually it actually is it's called like the the jello jiggle or something like that and it for us was just brilliant and I, worth every penny.
1: Every night we say, should we try the snoo tonight? Should we try it? Like that has been a conversation I will say for the past week and a half. And we have tried it twice later down in there, right around nine 30, 10 o'clock. And she will have slept until 12, 1230. And that's been our longest stretch in the snoo. And then after that, when I get up to feed her, I just bring her back to bed with me. But so we've had probably a
2: dabbling, you are dabbling with it.
1: Dabbling. Jen, do
2: your kids that no longer sleep in the bed with you, even if they're in the room, I know Evie's has you up all night. Are your other kids good sleepers r- wherever they are? Because clearly somebody's getting up and coming into the room at night, starting in the room. Like, so I think some of that is habit. You know, I think yeah. when, you,
0: when you are in a habit of waking up at like 3am and walking down to your mom's room, that's, it's habit, right? It's not really need. So, um, my kids are okay sleepers. Honestly, they, they've gotten worse since quarantine because there's like no real bedtime. We don't eat at the same time. Like there's all these routines that are sort of like thrown to the wind. So the last four months or so have been different anyway. Um, but when they sleep, they're pretty decent sleepers.
2: One of the reasons, in addition to just, you know, having a new relationship and safety precautions and all of that, one of the reasons I didn't want kids in the bed, I can't remember who it was, but Ty and I had a friend tell us, if you start with a baby in the bed, you are going to have a kid in your bed until until they're old enough to think it's weird. And that... That was kind of scary to us. So we were like, oh, we do not want a 12-year-old in our bed.
1: My sister has four daughters, and she goes through that where one of them is always in her bed. And her and her husband just decided that, okay, their youngest is three, and she's going to be four this summer, and then their second youngest is six, and they are in their bed every night. And so just this past month, they decided to combine – Their bedrooms, and so eat, and they turned one of the girls' bedrooms into a playroom, and put both beds in the other girl's bedroom. And she's like, "If you want someone to sleep with, sleep with each other." (laughs) That's smart. Yeah, it is. I honestly,
0: I go through this a lot because I feel like, like you said, the mom guilt is there no matter what you do. But I do know in my core, at the very end of the day, Adrian and I are going to be looking at each other in twenty years, and we're going to wish that we had that baby back between us just for one night, you know, so I'm trying to embrace that, you know, and just kind of deal with it. Um, it it is, it is hard in the moment, you know, but I I really know that, that someday I'm going to miss Snuggling with them.
2: everything you're saying even as a mom who isn't a co-sleeper per se it is so wonderful to have a baby snuggle up to you or a kid snuggle up i mean rad will come in crawl in the bed he would have been a terrible co-sleeper he kicks he never stops moving he's all which way all the time he's all elbows and knees and no one can sleep if he's in the bed and then sebastian like i said wants nothing to do with it and i I do think as much as I wished Sebastian with, you know, with having, we had, you know, quite a journey to get him. And then it kind of hurt my feelings that, you know, he's self-weaned. He does not want to be in the bed with me. He will cry until I put him in his own bed. And when we were on vacation a couple weeks ago, for the first time since he was a newborn and would fall asleep on me nursing. He snuggled you. he, 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 he wanted out of the pack and play, but he was so tired and he just fell asleep on me. And I was like, I don't care if I'm sweating, have to pee. I don't care if both arms and legs are asleep. I am not moving. I and then, know. of course, when we got home, he was right back in his bed. But I will say from my standpoint, I mean, not to brag here, but my kids, man, when they transition to their cribs, they are Amazing sleepers. And once you're getting that solid sleep through the night, it's life-changing because it's so exhausting to be woken up at night. And Radley, once he was in his crib, so we transitioned him to a crib at three months in another room, but we lived in a tiny New York apartment. So he was right down the hall. And he would have these mini sleep regressions where if he was going through some kind of developmental leap, he would want to be back in the bed and snuggling or he would need to be comforted And but I don't know if it has to do with the snoo or if it has to do with as second time parents we weren't we didn't jump at every single whimper, but bash yeah well that's normal Um, right now for sure yeah but but once Sebastian once we were like oh he hates the bassinet put him in his bed he's like I want my little lovey Um, Aiden and Anae makes these awesome they're called security blankets but it's basically like this little six by six square of muslin that are completely safe um, and breathable, and he will snuggle that and just, like, leave me alone, and he will sleep a solid 12 hours or or more from the time he was six months, and that has been consistent. I mean, I can count on one hand the number of times he's woken us up in the middle of the night since then, and if he does wake up, because he's not used to being able to roll over and put a boob in his mouth, he self-soothes and he also i think there's a misconception that if if the baby doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily given the boob then they're going to be on a pacifier and that really wasn't true for my kids either we gave them wubba nubs mostly because it looks so cute to have a little animal hanging out of their mouth <laughs> and they kind of like chew on them suck on them here and there but mostly we're like meh couldn't yeah. have cared less
0: is the only less. one of ours that used a pacifier and i've actually i tried to introduce one for evelyn but um she was having none of it at all. Mason has been a really good sleeper. He's been the one that's like probably the best sleeper. Um, and Ava obviously until this, this experience, but, um, Charlie and Evelyn man. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) If I could have a night's sleep with either of them, it would have just been amazing.
2: Well, Kayla, um, so we know where you're at right now. So what's going to be your biggest goal with sleeping moving forward?
1: I would like to be able to put her in the snoo and have her sleep until about 3 o'clock. I think that would be a good stretch. That would be a goal. If I could put her in the snoo at like 10 o'clock and have her sleep until 3 and then just do morning, early morning co-sleeping. So you're hoping for a best of both worlds situation. I am. I I love that I have all these snuggles. Like what you said, Bash, it took you it was a special journey to get him. And I feel that way with Loxley. Like I waited so many years to hold this like sweet little child that I selfishly just want her next to me. And I, and even not selfish, like un- not selfish. Oh my gosh. Here I go with my makeup words. Um, (laughs) I, I think that's what she needs right now too. I just, I think this bonding time in these first few weeks of her life have been amazing with co-sleeping, but I do want to transition into a healthy space for both of us where she can be an independent sleeper and I can be a well-rested mama.
2: And for me, I know I'm just going to be trying to force my kids to cuddle with me, like Bash, when I'm like, please snuggle with me. Please sleep in the bed with me from time to time. I love that you sleep and that you're totally independent, but almost too independent sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be 12 and be like, ugh, mom. And I'm going to be like, just lay with me for a second. Um, okay. Full circle here, Jen. What are we going to do about I, don't know. This I really don't bed, know. this little <laughs> precious thing in your well- bed?
0: I, I'm literally doing the same thing with Evelyn that I did with Charlie. And it's so bad that that my pediatrician with Charlie said, you're going to have to wean him before you're going to be able to get him out of your bed. So that was interesting. Now, Charlie was breastfed for like 26 months. So he's the age that Evie is now. Now, because Evie has, you know, these, these feeding issues, she's going to be nursing for a couple more months no matter what. So I think I just have to suck it up. But I, I thought that there... Um, insight about that was really fascinating like i'm going to have to wean her first and once i've weaned her then i can transition her out of our bed and
2: i'll She will I'll- nap without you right?
0: Oh yeah. Well, i put her to bed nursing. So we'll we'll be in the living room and i'll like nurse her to sleep and i'll transit i can move her. I can transition her anywhere. Oh, all my- wow. Oh my gosh, are- wake up, man. Well, see, that's that the thing oh, that's that awesome. i've felt with co-sleeping has been really good because all four of my kids are incredibly flexible sleepers. They will sleep anywhere in any circumstances, at a table, in a car seat, when it's late, <laughs> in a stroller, in a hotel. Yeah, and bed. I will say Bash
2: will only sleep in his bed, right. which is a <laughs> problem if you're out and he's tired.
0: It is very true. And and so in, in that sense, like, we always wanted babies to be able to fit into our lives, and we travel so much that it was very important to us that they didn't have to be, like in the room with the white noise, you know, because we have lots of friends that that works really well for them. But we just and side
2: them note, up. co-sleeping is so awesome for traveling. Oh, yeah. I mean, it yeah. makes travel – you just pop them in the bed with you wherever you are. It is, that is super yeah. cool.
0: So, I mean, so for Evie, it's like I can nurse her to sleep and then literally go set her down in my room and kind of maybe cover her, like, the bottom part of her legs with a blanket, and she'll just, like, curl – she'll go to sleep, and she'll be out for, like, two hours in the middle of the day. So my goal eventually will be to – probably start doing that at night, like putting her down maybe in her crib for her first like eight.
2: Yeah, can, well, can you night. nurse her to sleep and then transfer her to the crib and at least have yeah. a stretch where yeah. and the as
0: accessible? She will wake up and, you know, cry for me. But to be frank, I am so lazy that I have never set a monitor up in her room. I'm, I'm not lazy. That's ridiculous. I shouldn't say that. That's but a I, ridiculous thing to say. I, <laughs> I literally have eight monitors and I haven't set any of them up in her room. Um, but if I did, yeah, I could totally put her to bed that way. And, and I probably will make that a goal to start um, because I know I won't be able to keep her in her crib all night until she's weaned. So I'm going to, I will make that a goal to start to start trying to do that and putting her in. And her- Adrian's
2: ready, right? He's like, Oh yeah. Out of I mean, bed. He
0: loves at the end. He talks a lot of smack, but he loves <laughs> He's like Jonathan. He's, he likes co-sleeping, but he will tell you he hates it.
1: <laughs> that is okay. Husband. That is 100% my husband. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm well, going to make this happen at some point.
2: Okay. Well, keep us posted because I feel like the weaning is going to be hard. It's going to yeah. be hard.
0: The weaning will be hard. The weaning will be as hard as it was with Charlie, which was substantially difficult. Um,
2: Maybe but- you can start putting, um, when I bit my nails when I was a kid, my mom painted this stuff on them that tasted horrible. Maybe you could start like putting something on your nipples that tastes
0: Wait, bad. You're not wrong. It does, now, it, I think it tastes good, but I rub my whole body down with um, coconut oil before bed. And recently I've started putting it on my boobs and I have noticed that she gives me a very puzzled look. Like she doesn't like it. So
1: it does kind of make her go, I don't know. Your nipples. You what? Put like peppermint oil on your nipples.
2: Just figure out what her least favorite food is and then dip your nipples in it it'll work great and then adrian will probably love it <laughs>
0: i know right oh
1: my god that's a new thing nipple dipping no honestly
0: you know how like tea tree oil is good for like when you have preschoolers and there's like some kind of lice outbreak at preschool it's like the tea tree oil is really good to keep like the lice at bay i'm sure there's something that's like what what essential oil can we put our on our nipples to keep the toddlers at bay there's i think be-
2: this is worth looking into if anybody has advice on what to dip your nipples in to wean a baby because then you could choose. You would be like, well, I'm, I want to nurse her before the nap, so I'm not using the nipple dip. But then at night, I don't want her to nurse, so we're <laughs> dipping the nipples. So, you know, I think this is a great plan. I think we we, we really cracked the code here, Jen. Yep, you we know, that's yeah, what we're yeah. here for, just like solving these motherhood problems. just I mean, be cayenne
0: pepper. I could just dip into someone's like, Can you imagine? There, then pepper. the problem
2: is you have a screaming child. <laughs>
0: Thank you for letting me vent. I feel better. Even but though I'm not well-rested, I feel better
2: now. The dads are going to be taking over next week. So maybe Adrian will sort of give his side. I, for one, am very curious about what our husbands have to say. I have no idea what they're going to talk about. This is a dad takeover. They get to do whatever they want. So if you hate it, yay. If you love it, we'll take some credit. For it. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. If you have any tips for Jen, please let her know. And uh, as always, if you just have stories for us or mom fashions, reach out at Hi My Name Is Mom Official on Instagram and Hi My Name Is Mom Official. Isn't it official on Facebook? We're official everywhere. We're official everywhere except on Twitter, where it's like the acronym official. <laughs> 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 but I'm pretty sure if you just Google, hi, my name is mom, you can find us. We will, um, we will return your messages on any of those platforms. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and have a great day. Your name is mom.